Welcome to another episode of RT Plus brought to you by Norton Rose Fulbright. In today's podcast, we're going to look at the advertising of crypto assets. Uh, and this is given the recent consultation paper and financial promotions of high risk products uh, issued by uh, the FCA and uh, the potential implications uh, that this might have for regulated and unregulated uh, promoters of crypto assets. Um, I'm joined today by Hannah Meakin, partner in our financial services team in London. Uh, I'm also joined by Albert Weatherall, who's a counsel in our financial services team, and also by Verity Quartermain, a disputes lawyer who focuses on technology and IP. Um, hello to all of you. Um, we'll start uh, with Hannah. Um, Hannah, before we kind of get into the details of, of the consultation and kind of the nitty gritty here, um, why is there so much focus on crypto asset advertising at the moment? Hi, Rup. Um, Yeah, I mean, there is so much focus because the government believes that around 2.3 million people in the UK own a crypto asset and that their popularity is only rising. But the research is also suggesting that understanding of what crypto assets are and the risks attaching to them is declining. So this combined with the extent to which crypto is being presented as an exciting investment that is easy to make and becoming more mainstream is seen to pose a risk that these products could be missold. The UK has been focused on regulation of advertising as a means of consumer protection for some time, but it seems that other countries are increasingly taking steps in this area too. Sure. Uh, thanks for that, Hannah. Um, Verity, um, if we can uh, bring you in now. Um, so some of our listeners might not be so familiar uh, with the Advertising Standards Agency and how it works. Um, could you perhaps explain what kind of jurisdiction uh, the ASA has over um, crypto assets and how uh, the CAP codes and the broadcasting code uh, work in this area. Yeah, sure. So the ASA's purpose is to ensure that advertising is legal, decent, honest and truthful for the benefit of people, uh, society and advertisers. Uh, so it does this by making sure that advertisers in the UK stick to the advertising codes, which are the CAP and BCAP codes. So the CAP code applies to all non-broadcast advertising, so print ads, ads on websites, and ads on the tube, for example. Um, and the BCAP code applies to all ads on commercial radio and television. So in terms of crypto asset advertising, it's really only the CAP code that's relevant, as generally speaking, you can't really advertise unregulated investment products on commercial radio and television. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of how it all works, so the CAP code sets out a number of mandatory requirements that ads must meet. Most of them are pretty high level, um, for example, ads must not materially mislead or be likely to do so, and they must be prepared with a sense of responsibility, consumers and society. And while it's sort of just expected that advertisers will stick to these codes, and most do to avoid the negative publicity that might come from a ruling being made against them, or the issues of non-compliance might have for them in other aspects of their business, given the relationship of cooperation that the, AF uh, sorry, the ASA and FCA might have, um, the ASA monitors ads and it also uh, responds to complaints about ads. So if the ASA thinks that the way an ad has been presented might fall short of any requirements set out in the advertising codes, uh, it will engage with the relevant firm and ultimately ultimately decide whether or not the ad needs to be withdrawn or amended. I see. And, you know, further to that, um, you know, it would seem that as though the, uh, well, the ASA published a series of rulings uh, last uh, last year in December um, which clarifies some of its expectations around uh, the advertising of crypto assets. Um, can you tell us some of the key themes and lessons that came from these? Yeah, I think it probably makes sense to take a step back and start off by saying how, because of how broad some of the cap code requirements are, there's been a lot of uncertainty about what details need to be put in ads for order 
for those ads to meet the ASA's expectations around the cap code requirements. I think it's been particularly challenging in the crypto space because you've got firms like exchanges that are trying to promote the functionality and technical capabilities of their products to get people who are already in the crypto market or thinking about getting involved in the crypto market to use their product over competitors. But at the same time, these firms are trying to promote consumer engagement in the crypto asset market. Um, so in around October last year, a sort of a number of exchanges received complaint notifications from the ASA, effectively saying that their ads were being challenged for being contrary to cap code requirements, uh, particularly for being misleading or for taking advantage of consumer inexperience. That we it's probably impossible to get the tube last summer without seeing an ad for a crypto exchange that you could with that uh, that told you, you know you could buy and sell crypto instantly or with the click of a button or for as little as a pound or something like that. Um, so then in November, the ASA released a statement saying that it would be relying on rulings it was going to publish in December to provide clarity about its expectations. And these rulings were published on 15 December. And in terms of the lessons and guidance that can be taken from them, it just seems that ads need to be treated as if they were ads for financial products and that advertisers need to be sure that they include all material information and are particularly cautious in promoting any functionality that makes their product seem accessible or quick and easy to use. As from these rulings, we know that trivializing investment in the crypto asset market is something that falls short of uh, the cap code requirements. And in terms of being treated as financial products, this means that any ads need to make clear that the investments are variable and could go up as well as down. And interestingly, and this overlaps with the social responsibility requirements that are set out in the cap code, but it seems from the rulings that were published that the ads for crypto assets need to contain references to CGT and explain that profits from investing are subject to CGT once allowances are used up. So that's really interesting. And uh, you're absolutely right. Um, the advertising exchanges certainly was uh, and is kind of ubiquitous uh, in London at the moment. Um, Hannah, if we uh, turn back to you, I mean, uh, Verity mentioned there that the ASA is sort of uh, suggesting that, you know, uh, advertising and crypto assets need to be need to be treated like they're advertising kind of financial products. Um, and the Treasury has announced uh, that it will bring crypto assets into the financial promotion regime. Um, can you explain what what that means? Yes, of course. So the UK is continuing to develop its thinking on which crypto assets are treated as regulated investments, which determines which activities relating to them require authorization. At the moment, it's mainly crypto assets that are akin to securities and electronic money that are in scope. However, there is a separate financial promotion regime on the promotion of investments, in other words, marketing or advertising. And the scope of this is largely dictated by what is a regulated investment or regulated activity. So these crypto assets that are securities are already subject to it. But the government's plan is to extend the financial promotion regime to capture promotions about crypto assets that are not already regulated, such as Bitcoin and Ether. When these changes take effect, it will be a criminal offence to communicate a financial promotion of qualifying crypto assets unless you're authorised by the FCA or PRA and you comply with their rules on marketing or an authorised person with the ability to do so has approved the financial promotion or, and this might not be available in many situations, but you can rely on an exemption. So it's important to note that at the, time, at the same time as extending this regime, the government has also announced plans to limit the firms that can approve financial promotions and, and to impose additional rules on how they do so. And the FCA is also proposing changes to its rules on financial promotions of high-risk investments, including those relating to crypto assets. 
I see. Thank you for that, Hannah. Um, Albert, uh, if we can turn to you now. Um, now, as Hannah says, uh, the FCA has published some pretty detailed analysis and, and also some consequent uh, proposals and changes to its rules around marketing crypto assets. Um, can you give us a summary of what these will mean in practice? Yeah, sure thing. I think you know the, the, the core takeaway from an enforcement mechanic is, as Hannah says, which is, you know, now if you are in breach of our general prohibition on the making of financial promotions unless authorised or exempt in the ways Hannah has described, then you, you will be committing a criminal offence and that therefore exposes the organisation, its directors to potential liability. Um, and clearly in most organisations that is, you know, the, the, the potential consequence of that is something that the organisation is seeking to avoid. And so in order to ensure that clients you know and, and, and members of, of, the, of the community etc participants in the market are on the right side of those rules clearly there is probably to some degree uh, some upskilling that needs to be taken place because if you think about it to date many providers in the space have not had to think really about financial promotions in the way that you know typical financial institutions subject to these rules you know have always been subject to these rules have had to do and so there's an element of kind of upskilling in terms of knowledge and then also thinking about you know procedures that need to be put in place so you know many organizations that are subject to finprom rules will have you know mechanisms to identify finproms in the organization they'll know what the criteria are their staff get trained on how to identify financial promotion and what the consequences of that are and then they'll typically be in approvals and monitoring process as well so financial promotions cannot be published in the organization without the appropriate sign-off, usually from someone in compliance. And so, you know, for, for organizations who've maybe, you know, historically been able to move quicker in the space, they've put content out, adverts have been approved, you know, without necessarily having to think about these mechanics and these rules, I think certainly that will have to change. So, you know, there is that overhanging enforcement risk, but also I think, for, to my mind, the day-to-day -day impact is principally on a compliance burden standpoint. And, you know, participants in this industry are going to have to scale up in that regard to make sure they stay on the right side of the line. I see. So, I mean, there's there's certainly a lot to kind of unpick there, and it's it's clearly not uh, a very straightforward area. So I think from that next question, I'd actually like to, to ask it both to, to, to Verity and Albert. And Albert, perhaps we can just uh, sort of continue with you uh, before moving on to Verity. So with so many changes on the way, and, and you have alluded to this already, but what do companies need to be doing now uh, and what can they do to prepare for the future? Yeah, so so from, from my standpoint, I think it's it's definitely an upskilling piece, I think is the first port of call. I think, you know, the relevant stakeholders in these businesses need to, need to kind of wrap their heads around these rules and how they apply and, and how, you know, they've applied, his, you know, how they may apply to you know, promotional campaigns that are in the works or to statements that the company makes generally. And it's also worth, you know, meriting, you know, finproms can occur in all sorts of forums. You know, they, you know, we think uh, of, you know, as Rosie says, over the tube ads and those other adverts, but, you know, you can make a finprom directly to a person, you know, through an email correspondence. And so it's not just about the outward statements that these you know, the companies make in an advertising format from a finproms regime per perspective. It's also thinking about, you know, statements you might be making to, to customers when they you know message the customer service staff and thinking about how you know the content on your website and also what you put out on social media campaigns so finproms really permeate their way into almost all instances of external communication with clients and so in order to really understand where the focus areas are what types of communications should we be concerned about um you know there needs to be that understanding of what these rules are and also the process of conveying that understanding throughout the organization so that you can build that culture of compliance, you know, from an early stage, it looks, you know, based on the, you know, the language in the consultation paper that, you know, there would be the possibility of a short transitional regime to help people get 
uh, things ready. But as ever, you know, a transitional period of a few months will will slip by very quickly. And so I think it's important to take that first step, understand the scope of these rules, how it may impact your organization and the communications you put out and start trying to put something in place to kind of build that you know, culture of compliance. Uh, thanks for that, Albert. That's really, really helpful. Um, Verity, if I can now ask the same question uh, to you, what should companies be doing now um, to ready themselves for the future? Yeah, I think it's the same sort of thing, because although the ASA will be taking a bit of a backseat role in terms of crypto asset advertising once the financial promo promotions changes go through, as it will only be responsible for regulating the non-technical elements of crypto ads, um, and things that don't fit within the FCA's definition of a crypto asset. Um, I don't think the recent ASA rulings can be disregarded. Uh, so the, the ASA and FCA have really been working together on this, um, and there are overlaps with the requirements. So I think firms should continue to ensure that the ads comply with what's been set out so far and really make sure that any language they use to promote the functionality of their products or protocols can't be construed as suggesting that investment in crypto is easy and for everyone. Okay, Hannah, uh, back to you now. Um, so if we just take a bit of a macro look at this, really, I mean, what, what do you think this really means for the UK? And are these changes likely to satisfy uh, the regulators' objectives? And if so, might they have any side effects? Well, given that the main objective is consumer protection, I think these changes to the financial promotion regime will make quite a big difference. They're going to make it significantly more difficult for both regulated and unregulated companies, both in the UK and outside, to promote their cryptocurrencies and services to consumers in the UK. In theory, it will only be possible to do this through an authorised entity with appropriate expertise to promote crypto assets in a way which is fair, clear and not misleading. And even their customers will experience some positive frictions before they can buy or sell. One might argue that we're making it quite difficult for UK consumers who really do understand the risks and can afford to lose their money to participate in the UK crypto asset market. But I think perhaps this is being seen as a sacrifice worth making to protect those who may not be in such a beneficial position. Thanks, Hannah. And thanks also to Albert and Verity as well. Uh, before we bring this podcast to a close, a quick reminder of some uh, useful resources. Firstly, uh, the Regulation Tomorrow blog at regulationtomorrow.com, which contains daily updates uh, on financial services news and will be tracking uh, developments uh, relating to this particular topic. Uh, and also our recent Financial Services Academy, uh, which focused on uh, financial promotions regime, uh, including a look at the recent CP on high risk investments. If you'd like to uh, access a recording of that session, please do get in touch. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and we hope to see you again soon.